Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk, and it is indeed time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again. Good afternoon, Joanna. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, and uh, let's get straight into the questions. The first one, this is a difficult one. I separated from my partner a few years ago and we have three children together. Unfortunately, the situation is very acrimonious and I feel like I'm being left out of the parenting of my children. Even more worryingly, I'm losing the connection to my children in particular. The eldest, I won't go into details to protect their identity, but has Joanna any advice on maintaining a relationship with the children when the parents are separated and it's for all? I should say that the original email that came in had a lot more detail than this. We've kind of taken some of it out for fairly obvious reasons. Sure. And I I think that sensitivity is important because it is such a sensitive topic. Mm. And yet I think it's one that, you know, like I can sit here and advocate for parents to focus on the one thing you have in common, which is the best interests of your children at your heart and focus on the children and don't let the... I can say all of that, of course, but in reality, this type of scenario where personal hurts, um, personal anger and ultimately acrimony are what dominate with each parent, Mm. then that does play out in all relational connections, including the parent-child relationship as as this parent is outlining. Because children, I don't know the ages of these children, but children do look to their parents for emotional cues at all times. But particularly, you know, three years ago when your parents split up, that's a very difficult experience for everyone involved. Children are looking to their parents as I will take my lead, my emotional lead from you guys on this. And if you guys are in that standoff, that anger, that acrimony, the children are soaking up that emotional resonance too. So it is very difficult for everyone involved. But also you'd be, you know, you know, some kind of superhuman if you were like, oh, I'm managing to contain all of that rage and frustration and the children aren't seeing any of it. Mm. You're either superhuman or kidding yourself Mm. because actually they pick things up, those non-verbals, the size, the eye contact, the the facial reactions that we all have, those microaggressions that we have, let's call them. Um, Children are very clued into that. So I think, you know, and look, when you say, you know, you're being left out of the parenting of your children, I'm going to assume you've had legal advice and if not, to certainly pursue that because, you know, what are your guardianship rights around the children and making sure that the school have your contact details and communicate everything twice. Yes. You know, yeah. So that you are certainly in the loop, mm. so to speak. But I think that's maybe referring to a broader sense than just that, yeah. that it's the day to day parenting of the children as well. I think focus on the connection. And that's, you know, I just want to peel, t- break that down a little bit because if you can really invest in knowing what the children are doing when they're not with you, you know, I don't mean like in a stalking their every yeah. move, but their general interests, you know, what interests them, be interested in that, the hobbies that, you know, they go swimming on a Tuesday and whatever on a Wednesday. And when you see them Thursday, you can say, how was swimming on Tuesday? How So they know that you're actively informed in what they're doing. And again, I'm making an assumption there is some kind of a routine that you are privy to around that. You know, be curious about is their birthday parties coming up or what's going on with friendships. Really focus on not what you're missing out on because of the acrimony in the separation, but on the connection you can and do have with the children on the minutiae of their lives, mm. the little details. What do you like playing with? Oh, gosh, you know, you're really into pink this week and you're re- small things matter to children and don't underestimate those. I think, you know, again, depending on the ages of the three of them, record some TV shows 
even if they've seen them, that you can say, I recorded this for us to watch together because I thought you'd be really interested. It shows them that you're holding them in mind and thinking of them even when you're not together. And that's also going to matter. Play, make sure you're playing with them. And that I don't mean planning expensive, intricate outings for the time they're with you. Simply being at home with you, hanging out can mean a whole lot to children. Mm. So simple play based activities and be fully present with them. Now, again, I'm not making an assumption, but making sure there's no reference to your other parent. I said this or will you ask them that? Did they tell you I did? None of that, that you are 100 percent focused on the children so they don't feel any pressure to say or not say. Anything. anything. Yes. Because it just puts them in a state of anxiety. Write cards, postcards, cards, whatever it is, because again, I don't know how often you see them, but you can post them to the children as well. And again, it's their way of knowing you're thinking of them and staying connected, sending messages that don't require a response. So even if that's sending a text or a video message or a voice note or a physical card, it's not something that is dependent on them answering you but they receive that message from you. Uh, If mediation hasn't been done around this for the children and their best interests, I would certainly urge where possible. And again, I want to acknowledge that depending on the level of acrimony, mediation, totally mediation only works when both parties are willing Mm. to be there and to work something out for a shared goal. But be the parent that they might not hear about. Be the parent or be the version of you that challenges what they might hear because children are smart, you know, and through repeated experience of you turning up and being present and engaged and interested, that's the version of you they internalize. That's the Mm. one they trust. And that's the connection you're investing in. Yeah. So many times uh, over the years and people have sent in questions similar to this and there can be, you know, there there can be a, a very explicit legal arrangement one partner is kind of playing fast and loose yeah. with that arrangement and getting going back to court is time consuming and costs a load of money. Absolutely. Children can be turned against yeah. uh, um, and, uh, the other parent. So, the, you know, this person might be looking at a period where all the things you said, yeah. just keep reminding them you're there, but not necessarily. That's what I, when I say, yeah. don't, you know, messages that don't require a response, it may be that you work really hard in these years to stay present mm. and in their mind and they will find their way to you in yes. due course. And I don't say that lightly because often, you know, it, in certain situations, if we have a situation where children are being turned against a parent, you know, it can be an immediate assumption that it's the other parent doing that actively. Sometimes children get so fatigued by the acrimony yeah, that they switch easier. off themselves. It's yeah. easier for them to say this is too much for me. And it's not anything explicit either parent is doing to say, don't talk to your mum or dad, don't talk to or they're a bad person. It's the children who are just so exhausted by the acrimony that they switch off. They detach. Because I suppose even when they return, there might be questions. Exactly, exactly. And of course, this is don't do that. But of course, in, in situations where there's high emotions at stake, we can feel compelled to do the thing we promised ourselves we wouldn't do. Yeah, seriously tough station though, yeah. must be said. And just mind yourself, I think mm. any parent going through that, Sean, really needs their own support network as well. Friends, family members, whatever support network means, you make sure you activate them and have somebody that, or not just one person, because I think you can deplete a resource if it's a single person. Mm, yeah. You know, everyone has a limit, but making sure you have a space and a, and a network to support you through it as well. 
I returned to work part-time last week uh, after almost two years at home with my kids. I have two boys, age four and two. My second boy has Down syndrome and wasn't well last year, spending over a month in hospital. After that, my older boy was very attached to me and wanted me to do everything for him. This has reduced a lot over the past 12 months. He also had some issues with with holding uh, when we were toilet training at the start of this year. My sister is minding the boys for the summer, so he is with someone he knows. Since my return to work last week, he has started withholding again. He also gets very upset thinking about me going to work, but doesn't appear to uh, appear upset when I'm actually leaving the house. He also has started lashing out at his brother. He hit him today, even though usually he's very kind to him. Any advice, please? Oh, I mean, look, it's this is happening right now. This is still a very, very new recent change. We're talking, you know, you went part time last week after two years at home. So, you know, you're give it time, give him, give the situation, give yourself, give everyone time to adjust. And also hold in mind what really jumps out at me in this one, Sean, is the last time mum was away from the eldest little boy for, you know, prolonged or extended periods of time was when the little brother was in hospital. So his default might be to get angry and frustrated with the little brother that what's getting activated in him is that earlier separation that he found very hard and he's maybe lashing out at the brother because of the inherent association with separation from you. So I would, you know, of course, I think, first of all, you know, that you've, you know, if he he had a wobble when you were doing that hospital stay with your younger boy, um, but you actually got it to reduce over the 12 months. So something you did was working. So well done. Yeah, go back yeah. to what works. Go back and repeat that. Because really, when we talk about withholding and, you know, just to be clear, it's, it's about withholding feces. It's this child is not pooping. Mm. And of course, that causes as every parent out there knows, huge problems when children do that. And it can lead to all kinds of things and them getting impacted and needing interventions that you want to avoid. But really what it is, is an embodied expression of worry or anxiety. You know, he had achieved this. Yes, he struggled at the start of training, but you had got him to a place where he was pooping appropriately. He's now withholding within the context of this very recent separation. So it's an expression of I don't love this. I'm also really struck by it's the idea thinking about you leaving the house is worse than when you actually leave. So it's the anticipation Mm. of the separation. So what I'm going to ask you to do, he's four years old, is lots and lots of sensory play, messy, tactile, slime, gunge, sand, water, bubbles, finger painting. Any kind of messy stuff that you can get hold of, do that. Again, I mentioned it before, but, you know, you can do the the balloon thing where you fill it with wet sand and squeeze it out. It gives that real release impulse. You can do a mix of corn flour and hair conditioner and funnel it into a balloon and tie it. And it's just a squeezy. It gives a little stress toy and a squeezy while he's sitting on the toilet to manipulate with his hand and that might help his body to relax and release and go. I would also bring in, though, lots and lots of outdoor play jumping, rolling, climbing, lots of physical movement because that physical movement will help to activate those parts of his brain that are associated with emotional regulation. In other words, to physically have him get in sync. So doing lots of um, dancing, funny walks, follow the leader, stomping around, kicking leaves, jumping in puddles, whatever you can get your hands on. Get him outdoors for as long as you can every single day. Um, You can leave notes and creative places for him, little 
drawings. He's four. He's not going to read a message from you. <laughs> like little hearts and, you know, little stickers. Stickers are such a currency at this age. So leaving nice stickers around for him to find. So that's a little bit exciting. Play hide and seek with him. Play peekaboo with him. All of that kind of here gone, here gone helps that permanence that you're gone but you're coming back you're gone but you're coming back mm. and leave voice notes on I think it's your sister minding him leave voice notes on her phone that she can play throughout the day oh here's a message from you can pre-record them you know if you're not mm. going to get there during the day and give it time yeah indeed Do- uh, right I feel embarrassed about this but my daughter six walked in on us having sex and since then she isn't really talking to us it happened about two weeks ago when she woke up after a bad dream and came into our room around midnight. She got a fright, we all did, because we hadn't had the talk with her yet. She thought my husband was hurting me, even though we tried to explain to her what was going on at the time. It's like she's lost trust in us. She used to snuggle into her dad on the couch during movie night, but now she insists on sitting on the armchair on her own. I've asked her a few times, is she okay? And she keeps saying she's fine and there's nothing wrong, but I can see that she's retreated. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's only six. As she's well. only six, yeah. and she has, you know, put yourself in her shoes. Is how I'm going to start this, you yeah. know. And I think, you know, when you say we explained it to her at the time. The one thing I'm going to say for any parent this has happened to or is about to happen to because this will happen in homes is take time to discuss it. Because in the moment you're flustered, frightened, dysregulated, you're not going to be the best version of yourself in explaining that. So I don't know how you explained it or what you've said about it, but you can and possibly should revisit it um, at this stage. I mean... I think you have to put it in words like I I don't want to give you a script because it's going to be different in every family, but she's six years old. So you haven't had the talk, but, you know, you're going to have to have the talk. Uh, But also this just because she has walked in, be clear what she saw and how she has understood it before you launch in with here's what you were saying. And she might be like, what? You were doing what? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, find out what her level of confusion versus understanding is what she saw. And then you might be coming at it with, you know, something very factual based. They're called the facts of life for a reason. These are facts. Report Mm. them as such. You know, what you saw is called sex. It's something that grown-ups do for fun. And you may have already discussed with her it's how babies come from. This is always an easier one to revisit if you've had something of the conversation. You remember we had that talk about babies? Well, actually, grown-ups also do it for fun. And that's what you walked in on. Then stop explaining to her what she saw and move into listening to her. Yes. So then you can bridge that by saying something like, I think if I walked in and saw that happening, I would feel confused and I would feel a bit nervous or worried about what I saw. I'm wondering what the story of your feelings is. Can you tell me the story of your feelings about this and listen? Don't jump in to minimize or go, no, 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 that's not what was happening. Let her speak out her fears. Let her get upset. Let her think it out loud. And then you can say that was a whole lot for you to think about. I'm so sorry you walked in. And I mean, look, you can consider moving forward. Hindsight's always a great thing. A lock on the bedroom door. I, all kinds of safety issues with keeping bedroom doors yes, locked at night. Course, I want yeah. to preface that. But maybe it's locked in certain instances for mm-hmm. a duration of time and then it is unlocked. But then if somebody's little hand comes to a door and jostles the door, you at least have a moment 
to gather yourself and yes. being very careful with what I say yes. uh, before you open the door. So I think something like that. But again, this is about moving forward, not back. I think just go back to her and say, I also think, Sean, with these kinds of situations as parents, if we take responsibility for what happened, it makes the child feel that they didn't do anything wrong by walking in, mm. that they didn't make a mistake and that they're not the cause of the embarrassment. So maybe saying, I'm really sorry that you yeah. walked in and saw that. Yeah. I'm really sorry that you got a fright. And it lets them know you didn't do anything wrong and you're not at fault here. I suppose it's, it, it, you can imagine how it can be shocking to a six-year-old because you're seeing an aspect of her parents that you didn't even know existed. Absolutely. And like most teenagers or grown-up kids don't want to think about their parents doing it. You know, a six-year-old who doesn't even know what doing it is. Well, then, that's, there's they? so many layers. of, And yeah. also she came in after having a bad dream. So she was already Gosh. dysregulated yeah. coming in. So she wasn't in a calm place to go, oh, uh, what's happening? I don't know what's happening. It was very much she was already upset coming in and then saw something she couldn't make meaning of or make sense of. And her first instinct was that mom was being hurt. Yeah. So actually, it's about going back and just, you know, again, this will pass, but you have to give her time to feel how she feels Mm. so that she can work her way through it. But that talk that you haven't had. Yeah, that time is now. Yeah. Uh, The the agenda has been moved forward uh, uh, for you. Uh, Just going back to the uh, uh, first question we had about uh, the separation. uh, uh, Persons emailed in to say, unfortunately, that situation where one parent is being isolated from the children is all too common. I've been Mm. in that situation for years and I had no choice but to go through the family law courts. Unfortunately, that was a very discriminating ordeal as fathers in general are treated like they're not important. However, I'm still glad I did as at least I'd call orders to go with. I can say to all parents now that your children are the ones who suffer mostly. My child ended up being suicidal at six and although I always stayed positive toward my child's mother, he's now 11 and is having serious issues at home um, there. Uh, Parents need, need to put their kids first and the courts need to do the same. Oh, it's so it's so complex, and yeah. anything with human emotion is complex, isn't it? Whenever when people are hurt, upset, or but you're, I mean, it's absolutely right. The children do their interests yeah. do need to be the shared common goal. Yeah, and let's put the legal system as a kind of a blunt instrument when it comes to dealing with that, because the best it can do is divvy out time, really. And yeah, money. and I mean, I mean, of course, the ideal is that people can work it out themselves and not leave it to the courts. Mm. But in certain situations, it's unavoidable. Yeah, we're uh, an. Uh, we have an upcoming family holiday planned to Spain. I'm dreading it. My second youngest daughter doesn't do well when she's out of routine. Even a trip to the grandparents can be a nightmare. She doesn't do well with eating out, sleeping in a different bedroom and not being in her own home. All the rest of the family badly need this holiday. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, why are you going? <laughs> but also I get why you're going. So there's yes, that, And I yeah. think I'm picking this up from the parent who's also going, I'm dreading this, but I really need it. I'm dreading it, but I'm re- Watch the dreading because you're communicating non-verbally with this child that yes I'm dreading everything I know you're going to do don't let me down do Mm -hmm. it and prove the dread right so I'm not sure how old the child is and that would make a difference so I'll just answer it quite generically Um, use what you know to inform this holiday plan okay Mm. I think you've got a child who likes predictability, routine and familiarity. So look at what aspects of that can you recreate where you're going. You might design a a storyboard, which is using pictures to tell a story and plan. So I like to do it in kind of no more than eight steps, eight pictures. It's enough for anyone to hold in mind. And you get like, you know, a big poster card in the art shop and you put pictures up of 
what is going to happen ahead of time. Now, you might have, however, you're getting to the airport or a picture of the airport, a picture of the plane um, landing there, something about the sun, it, temperature will be different. So something about sunny weather and where you're going to stay, um, different things you're going to see while you're there. It might be a swimming pool or a beach or whatever it is. Mm. Um, and then about in your storybook, you'll also have coming home. And yes. getting back home. So home is still up there. You're going to hang that in the house so your child can see, OK, we'll be going to the airport. We will go somewhere sunny. We'll go to the beach and we'll play. And then I'll be getting on a plane and then I'll be home. So when I'm in, where is it? Spain. When I'm in Spain and I don't want to be there and I want to be home, I know mm. I, I'm about three boxes from home. That's easier than saying we'll be home in 10 days. Yes, because that doesn't mean anything nothing, to them at all. Nothing I mean, at it, all. It doesn't say how old this child is. Or she's not 15 or something. Yes, but a I different kind of conversation. Younger, yeah. um, but you do have that storyboard ahead of time outlining, as I said, what's going to happen. And these are about positive steps. Don't be putting pictures of tantrums with a big X through them. You don't want that on your storyboard at all. Then make up a little flight pack. Flying is a very sensory dysregulating experience for many people. Yeah. So get a little, just a freezer bag, you know, like a little Ziploc thing. <laughs> And put in it. Well, we well, you need to have like four boxes just for queuing in the airport. <laughs> well, we won't even go there because let's call that the unpredictable variable. But yes, have something for that as well. But you might have something in it like, you know, a squeezy toy, a yo-yo, um, a little bit of putty, you know, any kind mm. of clay thing, um, a few little bits novelty toys that she hasn't seen before, you know, that will, okay, there's one thing to play with. There's another thing and snacks, lots of snacks for the flight. Think of things that are crunchy, lollipops to suck. Just keep it. It's a sensory dysregulating experience. You're using sensory regulation in your flight pack. And then you want to pack a familiar I'm going to even say a duvet set, like just the cover and a pillowcase. And when you get to the accommodation, Put that on. Mm. So there is something familiar from her bedroom at home in this bedroom. You can't bring her bedroom, but you can bring certain aspects with relative ease. A couple of photos of home, little bits around the house, her bits, the house. So she knows they're still there and haven't disappeared while you're away. And do a little bit of research before you go around local supermarkets, um, restaurants where she could get something on the menu but don't leave that to when you're there wandering around with hungry kids trying to track down somewhere that does the one type of pizza that she will eat you know look that up I mean I I say that as somebody by the way who travels with Aldi's smooth peanut butter everywhere because no other (laughs) peanut butter will do and it's easier that's just you that's just for me exactly it's easier than having the that's not the right peanut butter conversation so you might want to pack things in your bag Mm. like rice cakes or crackers chocolate spread whatever it is Mm. that is a little bit of something. So, you know, worst case scenario, crackers and chocolate spread can be consumed or whatever it might be. So this just takes a bit of planning on your side. And instead of looking at why you're dreading it, invert that and say, what steps can I take that will lower that dread, that will make this easier for her and therefore for us? A few things in there. Something will work. Yeah. I suppose, and lots of advanced, yeah, advanced preparation. Yes. Uh, somebody else is uh, texting to say, uh, this is going back to the previous question about the six-year-old walking in and mammy and daddy. Uh, our nine-year-old daughter uh, walked in on us recently. My wife had a chat. It didn't work. So I explained the following. Everyone does this. In fact, mm. you couldn't have been born without it. Even your grandparents have done this. <laughs> your cat does this. I have I have never seen my parents do it, so I'm sorry you had to see it. We, we, you may never forget it, but it's okay. <laughs> we love you and each other. 
I don't know. It's like there's a world of horror is suddenly revealed to this nine-year-old. That's quite a lot, but at the same time at nine, you know, it's not for them to accept or forgive. It's it's simply this is what it is. Yeah. And I think there's something in the everyone does it that does normalise this. Mm, you know, all, yeah. this is something all grown-ups do. It isn't nice that you walked in and saw it, but you know what? It is what it is. And you just coax her around. Give her time. I mean, if put yourself in her shoes, what would you need to make that experience easier (laughs) to move past and go with that kind of approach? Uh, (laughs) Memory erasure. Joanna, thanks a million as ever. Uh, Joanna Fortune, there you are listening to The Moncrief Show. And you start, we're going to take a break after that, looking at owls in the pub. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.